requiring this. And so we call it the folly or the foolishness, if you would, of Easter. Want to look here in Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. We're going to read this. I trust it'll be a blessing to you and pray that it'll help us. Remember, the things in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us, were written for our admonition. They were written for our learning. So I want to look here, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if ye throughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye throughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? Now, there, here God is he's relaying to them, here's the problem. Here's where you're, you're having problems, Israel. You, you are, you're, you're, you're not blessed of me. You're not following me. You're not uh, having all the benefits you can. And here's why. Because you're trusting in lying words that can't profit. And he's referring unto all this false worship of Baal and other gods. So let's look here and keep reading. Verse, verse 10. And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. That's to say, God saved you, so then you could turn and do all these abominable things? Does that make sense? That God delivered you from your sin and your abominations so that you could now go and do abominations. That doesn't even... Pass the smell test, if you would. Verse 11. Is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but you heard not, and I called you, but you answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession for me or to me, for I will not hear thee. Here, 
here God says, don't pray for my people because I'm not going to hear. Can you imagine such? I mean, where God, God cut them off and He said, it's a waste of time to pray for them because I'm not going to hear your prayers. That's pretty amazing because He's very long-suffering, but apparently He got to a point, didn't He? Right. And we know what that point is. We're told in 2 Chronicles 36, there was no remedy. There was no remedy for Israel. No remedy for Judah. So, uh, I don't even want to find out what that point is. Verse 17. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Now, pay attention, because here's where this, this is where God begins to describe this worship. And he says in verse 18, The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough, to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man and upon beast and upon the trees of the field and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings upon, under your sacrifices and eat flesh, for I spake unto, unto your fathers, nor commanded, or excuse me, verse 22, for I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you, well unto you. Verse 24. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward, since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck, that they did, they did worse than their fathers. Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished, and is cut off from their mouth. Call up thine heart, O Jerusalem, cast it away, and take up a lamentation on high places, for the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. And they have built the high place of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place. And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah, from the streets of Jerusalem, the voice of mirth, 
and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. Now, we stop our reading at the conclusion of this chapter. And I want you to notice here, as we look at this, particularly here in verse 18, where we see that the Bible speaks of the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven. And this is where this all these traditions, this is where the uh, uh, Easter and all the things that pertain to it, this is where it all comes from. It's all her worship. And it's infiltrated and it's perverted what the Bible tells us to do. Now remember, God has commanded with respect to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ really only two things. Number one, that we're to observe the Lord's Supper as often as we do. And number two, we're to assemble on the first day of the week. Amen. And there are subsequent things that are to happen on the first day of the week. For instance, the singing, the preaching, the praying, the collection of tithes and offerings, so on and so forth. Those are the things that are to be done on the first day of the week. Now as we look at this, I realize and recognize that there's not a lot here said specifically about the Queen of Heaven or about her worship or things of that nature where we can point to this, that, and the other. But just this reference says a great deal of things. And you have to do some studying on your own. You have to look into this and see what all was done. In Jeremiah's day, if there was a reference made unto the Queen of Heaven, then everybody understood who that was and what it meant. You see, we grow up today in, in what we would call a Judeo-Christian society. Okay? And that doesn't mean people are saved. It's just kind of the way we're brought up and we're raised. You know, we come up with these basic principles and, you know, we have uh, basically, you know, uh, different rules that we're taught and they're all based on Scripture. But in other places of the world, these things are still rather prevalent. And so as you look around and you see and you do some studying about this, where did all of this come from? You see, the traditions of Easter predate every one of us. In fact, they don't predate God, but they predate the incarnation of Christ. Because here I just read to you about the Queen of Heaven in the book of Jeremiah. Christ, He doesn't come on the scene for several hundred years. And so we see that this happened. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you a description of this holy day. And, and I want you to see here, one writer, he put it this way, he said, Spring is in the air. Flowers and bunnies decorate the home. Children and fathers are taking eggs and designing and decorating them. And they will eventually be placed in the baskets. Hot cross buns are in the oven. If you don't know what a hot cross bun is, typically it's like a dinner roll and they, they score them and give it, give it like a cross in it. They're, I don't know if they're as popular as they used to be, uh, but we used to sing a song, he learned it in music class in grade school, you know, hot cross buns, hot cross buns, so on and so forth. But They got them there? All right, well, they got them at Publix. So apparently, it's, it's still a big thing. I didn't take any. That's all right. Um, but they have them there, and the whole family wakes up at sunrise 
and they go to worship services to celebrate a resurrection and a renewal of life. And you think, well, that's just you're just describing Easter. Well, no. This actually is a description of an ancient Babylonian family going back 2,000 years before Christ was ever incarnate. Now, if you remember, we preached a series on uh, the, the true story of Christmas or the origins of Christmas some time ago. And it's been, it's been a few years. And in one of those, we gave some handouts. And one of them had a chart of all these different names of, of, of false gods. You had Baal, and you had different names for Baal. Saturn was one of them, and all the names. Then you had the other one, you had a whole bunch of names. And that was his wife. And that's who this holiday is actually named after. It's actually after her. And, and we'll look into this. But these, these cakes that were made here in Jeremiah 7.18, they became hot cross buns. And we'll notice how they got there. But this, this name Easter is actually the Anglo-Saxon, the English name of this false deity, this goddess, so-called of the spring. And there's different names for false gods as you go throughout scriptures. You know, you'll find all oh, they call this one Baal. And then in the New Testament, on their missionary journeys, Paul and Silas, they would go to different places. They said, oh, this one, he's Mars. And this one, he's Jupiter. See, these were some of the gods that they worshipped. And they thought that these were them come down to earth. But in the Jewish dialect, this, this Easter is known as Ishtar. I-S-H-T. T-A-R. And, and don't worry about writing all these names down. Um, but I just want to show you here that the Phrygians family would honor uh, Addis and Sybil. The Phoenician family would worship Adonis and Astarte. The heretics of Israel worship the Canaanite Baal and Ashtoreth. You remember sometimes... We'll read Baal. We just read it in chapter 7 here. Other places we would read Ashtoreth. That's the wife of Baal. It's all Baal worship. The Egyptians would worship Isis. The Grecians, Aphrodite. And the Romans, Venus. The goddess Diana of the Ephesians, who we hear about in the book of Acts, she is a fertility goddess as well. But Easter is merely the Anglo-Saxon or the English name for any pagan, immoral, fertility, life, god, or goddess. That's all, that's all this is. And they're ascribing the renewal. When the sun comes back around and it, it hits spring and, and we start seeing, oh, we're at this, this spring equinox. And we've got a rejuvenation of life. We've got, we've got all these things. It's a good thing they weren't in the southern hemisphere or things would be the opposite. But see, they was in the northern hemisphere. And so, you know, like down in Peru right now, they're getting ready to go into fall. Well, that's because they're in the southern hemisphere. So here we have this, and all it is is it's about the resurrection, new life. You know, things died as winter came, and now things are coming about, and and it's like I told my parents, I said, we, we were coming home from Scepter Wednesday night and Emma commented on the moon. She said, boy, even the moon's yellow. I said, yeah, that's all the pollen that went up to the moon. 
But all that life that's coming back, you know, all the flowers, all the trees, all that, it's coming up. And it's being all ascribed. Instead of being ascribed to the Creator, to Jehovah, to Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to the God, the true God of heaven and earth, with wicked imaginations it was given unto this Ishtar, or Easter, or Astarte, or or Venus, or Aphrodite, or whoever it is. They ascribed it unto her, and they said, this is where this renewal comes from. This is, this is who generates all of this. Well, let's look at some of the origin of this. Turn to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. And again... Who requires all of this? Well, not the Lord God. Not on your life. Genesis chapter 10. And I want to read here verse 6. And this this again, uh, uh, when you read over this, you, you don't think much of it, but when you study into it, you really find out some things. And so where did, where did Easter come from? Well, it's the same place Christmas came from. Isn't it amazing, these two major so-called Christian holidays, yet we don't find they come from God? Isn't that something? In Genesis chapter 10 and verse 6, the Bible says, And the sons of Ham, Cush, Mizraim, and Phut, and Canaan, the son of Cush, Seba, and Havilah, and Sabta, and Rama, and Sabteka, and the sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dadan. And Cush begat Nimrod. Now notice it says, He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, Even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Eric, and Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Kala. Now I'm going to stop reading there. Some of these you've heard of, but that word, that name of that one, Babel, his kingdom was Babel. That's the same as Babylon. Babylon is always indicative in scriptures of false worship, false gods, Throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, that's where Nebuchadnezzar and the book of Daniel was at. In the New Testament, you've got Mystery Babylon, which stands for all the false worship. If you remember, we had that giant chart of the trail of blood, and we had at the top the Lord's kind of a church, the history of it, or at the bottom, I can't remember which was at the bottom or the top. But we had where it broke off. And remember, Mystery Babylon, we had the Catholic Church, and then all of her harlot daughters of Protestantism, the Church of England, Lutheran Church, Presbyterian, Methodist, so on and so forth. That is Mystery Babylon. And what it is, is these old pagan, these old false worship, old false gods, cloaked and clothed, and a Christian garb. That's all it is. And so the Bible tells us, this is where it began, right here in Genesis chapter 10. 
Now this phrase in verse 9 where it says Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That's not a compliment. What this means is it means that Nimrod was usurping from the Lord. He was one, you know, you ever hear somebody talk about, oh, so-and-so's usurping so-and-so's authority. Well, Nimrod was usurping God's authority. And it tells us here that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. See, Nimrod set up his kingdom in opposition to the kingdom of God. He was one of the first, I mean, he's following the spirit of, of Cain. He's going after it. And he built the city of Babylon. And there was worship Saturn. That's where we get the name the Saturnalia Festival or Christmas because that's what it was originally called. And he, as well as Vulcan and Kronos and Baal and Tammuz and Moloch and others. He is the fire or sun god universal, universally worshipped in every ancient culture. Do you remember when we talked about, with respect to Christmas, how that they would make these sun discs? They would have a picture of Mary, or a picture supposed to be Jesus, or supposed to be Mary, and there's a round circle around them, and it's a sun disc behind their head. And then you would see Mary, supposed to be Mary, and then she's holding a baby, and that's supposed to be Jesus. That sun is Nimrod or Baal. Mary is indicative of, that's actually Tammuz, his wife, or, or Ishtar. And, and then their son. According to tradition, Nimrod dies. And his wife, she sets up worship of Nimrod as a god, and he eventually becomes known as Baal. And then Nimrod's wife, she has a son. His name is Tammuz. And she convinces everyone that Tammuz is Nimrod reborn as the Savior whom the world had looked for. It sounds real familiar, doesn't it? Well, where did she come up with this idea? Well, remember, seven chapters before Genesis 10, God told the woman and He told the man, Adam and Eve, in the, in the garden, He said, that out of your seed is going to come a Savior. And so this was a well-known teaching. It was known that there was one who was going to come and who was going to save or deliver the people. And so she just, hey, this is him. Nimrod's wife, then is deified as a god, Astarte or Ishtar, Easter. The son Tammuz is slain by a wild boar. However, he's resurrected by the power of her tears, i.e. rain. And that what we get a lot in different places in the spring, they get rain and what happens? The soil begins to bring forth all the things. New vegetation begins to appear on the earth. 
You can read all, you can study all about this. The best book I've, I've ever read on the subject is The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop. Great book. Very detailed. Very detailed. Look, if you would, over to Ezekiel chapter 8. I want to show you this. Ezekiel chapter 8. God here, through the prophet Ezekiel, he's talking. He, he he gives him this prophecy, and I just want to read here some different verses. But I want you to read beginning at verse five. The Lord speaking to him, it says, "Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now, the way toward the north." And so he's he's speaking to him. He lifts up his eyes and he sees some things. And then, if you would, just skip down. To verse 14, or excuse me, verse 13. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house. Now, just stop there for a minute. Imagine that God brings you to this door out here, this gate, outside the church house. And you're there, and, and you're seeing this, you're seeing this vision, and the Bible says which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Can you imagine people outside the house of God, the, the church that Jesus built, the Lord Jesus Christ, for He's to be worshipped, and they're weeping over a false deity. Well, here it is. They're weeping for Tammuz. Crying after her. God said, this is an abomination. And, and so, we find a great deal. Here's, and this is just what they said, that the mother Ishtar, she wept over Tammuz, and that was the rain that fell, and, and it regenerated him, and it regenerates all life every year. Absolute farce. That's the origin of Easter. That's where it came from. And why, why do they choose bunnies and eggs? There's nothing wrong with bunnies or rabbits. It's not their fault. There's nothing wrong with an egg other than they're more expensive than they were a year ago. But the mystic egg of Babylon... This, th these were chosen. Allegedly, this egg fell from heaven to the Euphrates River, and there it hatched Venus, or Ishtar. I don't know where they come up with this stuff. But again, if you remember, we read earlier about vain imaginations, didn't we? Turn over to Romans chapter 1. We've got a great... History. God really succinctly, precisely, clearly tells us what happened. A lot of people say, well, I want to know what happened back in certain days. Well, read Romans 1, and the Bible tells you what happened. 
say, well, I wonder what was going on in all these other places. We've got the history of, of Israel, but we, what was going on in the rest of the world? Romans 1 is what was going on. And the Bible tells us, verse, verse 19, it says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, proving themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. If you ever look up in a dictionary or an encyclopedia and you look up, you know, Baal, Ashtaroth, you look up Saturn, Saturnalia, all these gods, they, they look like half-animal, half-man type things. That's Romans 1. And God, He just gave them over again and give them over again. And we're just repeating the same pattern in this country. But these symbols were used. The season of birth. Peer's rabbits were chosen simply because of their rapid rate of reproduction. I, I like I like rabbits. Like rabbit stew. I like eggs. I like chocolate eggs. I like chocolate bunnies. I like the chocolate ones, the Reese's peanut butter egg cups. They have nothing to do with the resurrection of the Lord. Nothing. Not one thing. This is all Satan's counterfeit. Remember, the Bible says that he's the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And he seeks to counterfeit every aspect of God's plan, to deceive the whole world. God said, I'm going to send the seed through the seed of the woman, and this is what he's going to do. And so what does Ishtar say? Oh, well, this virgin son that I've had, I've had this kid, and that's the, that's the uh, Nimrod reborn, and then the son dies, he's killed by a wild boar, and then he's resurrected, comes back to life. Sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? The Bible tells us that Satan's an imitator. And he sets up counterfeits all, all through this. A counterfeit to true Christianity and the Lord's kind of a church. Look over in Revelation chapter uh, 17. Revelation chapter 17. We alluded to this earlier. We stated about how the, the world's religious system... See, there's, there's the church of the living God... And then there's the world's religious system. And in Revelation 17, verse 1, 
It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come unto me hither, I will show unto thee, to thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And so that same wicked, evil spirit that Nimrod had given over to and was given over to, and his wife and son, and all these religions on down into to the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. Remember how they had all the soothsayers and the magicians and all of that? All of them, and all it's been spread all over the world. And then you come into the New Testament, and Paul and them, they'd go preaching and they'd find paganism everywhere they went. And then you know you've got here how that, as the Roman church, the church of Rome, as they began to go throughout Europe and other places, instead of waiting for God to convict people, they, they would just adopt their pagan policies, and pagan traditions. And now Baptists have done it, been doing it for years. Look over in chapter 18, verse 4 and 5. Revelation 18, 4 and 5. Here's what God says to you and me. Revelation 18, 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. God tells His people, all that are blood-bought, you need to come out of all this paganism. We saw what God told Israel in the book of Jeremiah. He says, you keep doing this, here's what's going to happen. We find that this Easter festival was observed long before the Lord ever established His church. Long before Christ was even incarnate, let alone before he was resurrected. <clears throat> Yet Christ never commanded such. In closing, turn over to Jeremiah 44. Jeremiah chapter 44. You see, God raised up the prophet Jeremiah. He raised him up and He sent him unto Israel and He warned them about their worshiping of false gods. He said you ought not to be worshiping the queen of heaven. You ought not to be involved in Baal worship at all. In Jeremiah 44 and verse 15, it says, Then all the men, then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, and Pathros answered Jeremiah, saying, 
As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. Can you believe that? Isn't that something? God raised up Jeremiah, sent him unto his people, and he spoke these words about all the false gods, all these things, and they said, listen, we're not going to hearken unto what you have to say. Verse 17, But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? So what they're saying is, you know, Jeremiah, when we worship the queen of heaven, we were better off. That's what they're saying. They said, why, when we were doing that, we had plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But ever since we quit, we've had problem after problem after problem. And then Jeremiah, verse 20, then Jeremiah said unto all the people, to the men and to the women, to all the people which had given him that answer, saying, the incense that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers, your kings and your princes and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them? Came it not into his mind? So that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which ye have committed? Therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant as at this day. Because ye have burned incense and because ye have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord nor walked in his law nor in his statutes nor in his testimonies therefore this evil has happened unto you as at this day. You see, Jeremiah says, listen, the reason all the bad stuff has happened isn't because you left off giving sacrifices to her. It's happened because you did it so much and God was long-suffering for so long that you filled your cup up and now God's chastening you. That's why it's happening. He said you needed to stop. You see, you've got things backwards. You don't have good discernment. You're discerning incorrectly. You're saying the reason bad things are happening is because we left off the queen of heaven. God says the reason they happen is because you did it for so long and I'm sick of it. Verse 24, Moreover, Jeremiah said unto all the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord all Judah that are in the land of Egypt. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore hear ye the word of the Lord, all Judah that dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, 
The Lord God liveth. Behold, I will watch over them for evil and not for good, and all the men of Judah that are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by the famine until there be an end of them. So God said, okay, you're going to keep going on with it? I'm going to watch over you for evil and not for good until you're all consumed. So as we examine and we look at this and the study of it, and we see this, this is what the Bible says about Easter. Amen. It's an offense to God. Amen. It's offensive to Him. It's Baal worship. Now, I, I, I believe that worship is conscious. And I believe that the Bible, I believe that we come into the house of God and if you doze off during services, you're not worshiping God simply because you're here. I don't believe some, so I've heard some people say this, I, I just, I know, I understand what they're saying, but I disagree with it. I don't believe people when they get down and put a present underneath the tree, they say, oh, they're on their knees, they're worshiping the tree. I don't believe that because worship is conscientious effort. Right. I don't believe we're consciously worshiping the Queen of Heaven. But the Bible still says abstain from all appearance of evil. It still says that. Someone says, oh, don't you celebrate Christmas? Don't you celebrate? No, I can't. Here's why. It shows that we are set apart unto God. Set apart unto Him. We are devoted and consecrated unto Him. I can't do it because it's pagan in origin and God has commanded me to do this and He's also commanded me not to do this. I would say, well, I don't see how it harms anything. Well, I just read to you what God said. It's an offense to Him. So if we've done it, we need to repent and turn away from it. And if you haven't done it, or if you haven't been doing it for a while, don't boast about it. Because there's no doubt there was a day when you did or your family did and God revealed it to somebody and you had to come off of it. And then somebody taught it to you. So thank God. People say, boy, you Baptists, you don't have any fun. That's not true. We just don't have that. We don't have those things. Because our God doesn't require them. If we sat down and thought about all the things God requires and how we're, we don't even do those things, why are we doing something He doesn't require? Why are we going after that? So I pray God will bless His Word. We'll have an intermission until, let's go until 10.55. Uh,